Well, hello, friends. You're listening to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris, the Communications Director here at Cap City, and I'm so glad that you're listening in. In fact, I would love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'll be glad to get right back with you. The world is a little crazy right now. We're in the middle of what's being called a global pandemic with this coronavirus. It's a big deal, and lots of people are afraid. Afraid for themselves, afraid for their family members, and afraid of how their routines may be drastically altered. We've already seen major sports tournaments get canceled, schools being closed, and just today, Kentucky's governor has closed down restaurants, and the CDC has recommended to keep gatherings below 50 people. How do we respond in this crisis as Jesus followers? What does our response look like? To answer those questions, here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. I see all the hand sanitizer right in our foyer. Don't you feel welcome in this place? All right? Just don't touch. All right? Okay, guys, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. I almost never, ever do this. When I'm in a series, kind of like this Jonah series, I'm like a dog with a bone. But this coronavirus, And this picture's everywhere, isn't it? You see it all over the place. And everyone's fixated on it. In the news, it's basically the whole front page. You go to the store, and how many shelves are empty now? It's pretty weird, isn't it? As at Sam's last week, no hand sanitizer, of course, no toilet paper. What's with that? I haven't figured that part out yet. All the sacks of rice and beans are gone. People are scared. Worse than that, people are panicked. We are Jesus followers. We're different. Now, I love the memes that start coming out at a time like this. Here's some of my favorites. I like these memes. Here's, here's Golem, my precious, all right? By the way, one of our elders suggested that we give away a, a roll of toilet paper to the first 200 people in the room. I didn't know we'd be able to get that many rolls, so I was wondering about maybe just a square, right? Just a square of toilet paper. Can you spare a square, right? This next one's pretty good. Look at this one. Toilet paper, $39.99, free one-carat diamond ring with purchase. <laughs> this one's a different direction. I, I really like this one. I found a great new way to get out of speeding tickets. I have coronavirus. I have one of those signs in my truck right now, okay? I'm going to use it. This one's for you old guys. If you're not old, you might not get this one. Breaking news, John Travolta was hospitalized for suspected COVID-19. He had chills. They were multiplying. He was losing control. Doctors now confirm it was only Saturday night fever, and they assure everyone that he is staying alive. (laughs) Now, that's kind of funny. It really is, isn't it? Two more. Cruise deal. Buy one week, get two free. Promo code CORONA. And here's the last one. This is utterly tasteless, absolutely not PC, and I should be ashamed of myself. Are you ready? This coronavirus won't last long because it was made in China. (laughs) All right, it's terrible. I'm not going to try to preach or teach this morning. Unusual hat for me. I'm going to try to pastor. I'm not very good at that hat. So here's our, here's our verse for today. Are you ready? Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Do you think a minute? I do. Don't worry about anything. Anything, he says. Pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. So what I want to do to start out this morning is let's just memorize this verse together. Okay? We're going to memorize the verse together. We're going to start just by reading it together. Would you read it with me? Ready? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Ask him for all he has done. Now let's just work on the first half. Ready? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I'm going to go to a blank screen. You ready? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now here's the second half. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Try it without it. Ready? Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And now let's try to do the whole thing. I'm going to put it, just kind of cross out a few of the words. And you can, if you look real hard, they're there, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Can you imagine what a difference this would make if we actually tried to put this thing into practice? We're Jesus followers. And as a church family, as individual Christians, we want to respond to this thing in a balanced, responsible way. We do not want to overreact. Stoking panic is wrong. We don't want to underreact. We're Jesus followers. We have a responsibility to take care of each other as Jesus followers and to take care of those who are not Jesus followers yet. And how we react to a crisis like this will either help us or hurt us in carrying out our prime directive, which is this, right? It's to bring people face-to-face with Jesus and to grow them up into Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers. Well, we earn a hearing on that. Now, I know that whatever strategy we choose will be the wrong one for some. Our governor has asked churches not to meet for worship today, and a lot of churches are meeting anyway. Some will call us reckless. Others will call calling off church in a time of crisis reckless. Some places, a lot of places, they're limiting the size of the gatherings, 500 or less, 250 or less. I think we qualify for that this morning. We're doing our best to keep honoring our God by worshiping as he has asked us to do, taking care of his precious people. So we're going to try to navigate a very difficult path going forward. It is possible that we will postpone on-campus worship for a time and focus just on our live stream. We'll be making that call on a week-to-week basis, and you'll be able to keep track of that by means of our website. It's going to keep all of the up-to-date information there. Remember our verse? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And this is so big deal. Such a big deal, guys. Thank him for what he's done. So what do we do? And the fact is what makes this thing a whole lot tougher is that we have no idea how long it's going to go on, right? Whether it's going to be weeks, whether it's going to be months. Not forever, but it could get messy People can't stop living. They can cancel school for a while, but it's a little tougher to cancel jobs. People have bills to pay, and a lot of our families live paycheck to paycheck, right? We need the stores to stay open, and we need stuff on the shelves. We need police and fire and trash collection and doctors and nurses and hospitals on the job. People can't stop living for who knows how long. 
But we also have people to take care of, something that we Jesus followers care a whole lot about. In fact, in some ways, that's the heart of this thing, taking care of people who are most at risk. I mean, seriously, for most people, this virus goes from a minor nuisance to maybe a bad case of the flu. You'll get through it. I'm not worried about our kids. I'm not even that worried about most all of our parents. Seems to pose a higher risk primarily for those who are older or those with, and I love this word, comorbidities. Have you heard that word? It means those who are already weak or sick or whose immune systems are already compromised. I guess even those of us in our 60s are supposed to have a little greater risk and it start rising as you get into your 70s and 80s and 90s. And We better care, guys. We better care. We care about the risk to them and we care about their peace with God. Remember our verse? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything, right? Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And that goes for all of us. Now, I know there are fear-mongers out there, people who are stoking the panic, sometimes irresponsibly, people taking advantage so cruelly of the panic. Some of them are Jesus followers. They're out there, and it's going to get worse. This is from the endoftheamericandream.com. Isn't that a great website? Kind of gives you the idea they're thinking. Here's one of their headlines from last week. The Bible says there will be pestilences in the last days. Could this be a sign, right? Is this the big one that Jesus was warning about? You look at these others, coronavirus prophecy, God is punishing humanity till the third temple is built. Is coronavirus a judgment from God? Is it a sign of the end of times? I mean, really? Every time something major happens in our world, guys come out of the woodwork prophesying the end like this. So far, here's what's consistent. Every, every single time they've been wrong, right? Every time. Now, maybe someday they'll get it right. Okay. But I've got way more important things to be obsessed about than this nonsense. I found this meme. I thought this meme was pretty good. You ready? This is a Gen X, just a little younger than me, a Gen X survival checklist, right? Here are the things that you've survived if you're a Gen Xer. 90s, mad cow disease. 1999, the doomsday prediction of Nostradamus. Do any of you guys remember that? In 2000, it was the Y2K millennium bug. Also in 2000, it was a planetary lineup with a star holocaust prediction. In 2002, it was the SARS virus. 2005, the H5N1 bird flu pandemic. 666, the rise of the Antichrist. 2009, the H1N1 swine flu pandemic. 2012, remember the Mayan calendar, end of the world. 2014, the Ebola virus. 2020, that one's still pending whether we're going to survive that one, right? We've done pretty well. And by the way, if you're a boomer like me, we could add quite a few to the list. And there seem to be even some dorks out there who see this virus as God's punishment for some sin. When I found this headline, evangelical Christians are linking LGBTQ people to the coronavirus now, which is terribly misleading because the vast majority of evangelical Christians are doing nothing like that. But there's one dork who's actually named March, Repent of LGBT Sin Month. Says to protect the USA from diseases like the coronavirus, we've got to repent. That kind of nonsense makes us look stupid and vacates the hearing that we need to have. 
as most of the time, sickness is not a punishment from God. We get sick because we have fragile bodies and we live in a broken world. That's it. Worse than that, this kind of thinking elicits exactly the wrong kind of response from us Jesus followers. When these guys come out and start preaching that the sky is following, some Jesus followers get all self-absorbed and scared and they run to their bunkers. Or when these guys start preaching that God is sending a plague to punish someone's sins, some Jesus followers get all judgmental. Neither response is God-honoring. So I'm going to suggest a different model for you. You've heard how they describe first responders, you know, when victims run away, first responders run in. Well, I'm going to suggest something like this. I think we Jesus followers are supposed to stand. We're not supposed to be stupid. We don't expect our 80-year-olds to be out in front on this one. Our job is to keep them safe. But we're Jesus followers and we don't panic. Worry about don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. We challenge fear with faith. We challenge panic with peace. We show courage. Guys, courage doesn't mean no fear. In fact, you can't have courage unless you have fear. Courage means you do the right thing in the face of fear, right? That's what we're going to try to do. Let me show you why. Especially in a time when people are sick. Let me show you why this is so big for us Jesus followers. I'm going to just start with Jesus. One reason Jesus came to this earth was to give us a picture of God's heart. Because he wants to grow that same heart in every single one of us. And Jesus was constantly healing people. Not just spiritually. He was healing them physically. He cared about that stuff. God cares about us spiritually. He cares about us physically. So you constantly in the New Testament come across verses like these. Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He had compassion on them. He's constantly healing people spiritually. He's healing people physically because he cares it's called compassion. In fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the early Christians, you know this part, they called Jesus our Savior and our Lord. The word Savior is soter in Greek, soter. The word for Lord is kurios. You've heard that one. What you may not be aware of is that the word soter can be translated two different ways. It can be translated as Savior. Jesus is our Savior. It can also be translated as our healer. Soter means someone who heals, someone who saves. Jesus was both. And when he was working on training the disciples, he trained us to be healers as well. One time he was training the 12 disciples. He sent the 12 out to get some practice. Luke chapter 9 verse 2 says, Then Jesus sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God. That's the spiritual part. And to heal the sick. That's the physical part. He wants us to be sensitive to both. Next chapter, he does it again, this time with 70 of his followers, people like us. He says, heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is near you now. He wants us to do both. And this one's directly for us. This is one that he speaks to us. You ready? He says, someday when he brings this age to an end, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. By the way, you want to be one of the sheep, not one of the goats, Right? And he'll say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my Father. 
Inherit the kingdom that I prepared for you from the foundation of the world because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your own home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. In other words, he says, whenever we feed the hungry, whenever we clothe the naked, whenever we tend the sick, God views that as our loving on him. So that stuff is huge to us. And the earliest Jesus followers, they got it. They absolutely got it. And we Jesus followers literally changed the world. This is just one way that we changed the world. Back then in in the world of Jesus, when people got sick, people pushed them away. Push them away. They didn't understand germ theory, but they knew if you hung around with sick people, you were likely to get sick. So they just pushed sick people away. One historian of that time says that there was a colossal void with respect to caring for the sick and the dying. Jesus followers, Christians, stepped into that void. We didn't know germ theory either, but we knew that serving the sick might get us sick. And you know what? We did it anyway. Let me give you one famous example, very famous example. There was a plague in a city called Alexandria, northern Egypt, about 250 A.D., kind of their own coronavirus on steroids. A guy named Dionysius says, the pagans thrust aside anyone who began to be sick. They kept aloof even from their dearest friends. They cast the sufferers out on the public roads, half dead. If they died, they left them unburied, and they treated them with utter contempt. But not us, Jesus' followers. He says, we Jesus followers ignored the danger to ourselves. He says, very many of our brethren, while in their exceeding love and brotherly kindness, did not spare themselves, but they kept by each other. And they visited the sick without thought of their own peril. And they ministered to them assiduously and treated them for their healing in Christ, died from time to time most joyously, drawing upon themselves their neighbor's diseases, willingly taking over to their own persons the burden of the sufferings of those around them. Holy cow. But with that kind of attitude, we changed the world. See, back then they saw healing a sick person as a sign of weakness. We saw it as a sign of serving Jesus. We were captivated by a revolutionary idea. Because God loves humanity, we can't please God without serving those he loves. I wish I had the time to track the history, but I don't because they like me to keep my sermon within certain time parameters. But here's just a glimpse. Did you know that Christians were the one who built the first hospitals? At first, we just tended them in wherever they were. We even took them into our homes. But later, when it became legal to be a Christian, we started building hospitals. Even if you track hospitals in America, you're going to find out it was the church and Christians who were the ones who built them first. Ever think about their names? Good Samaritan, St. Joseph's, Baptist Hospital, St. Catherine, King's Daughters. And a lot more of them used to have Christian names till they were bought out by organizations. And if you were to track down the history of nursing, it's our story. When we started building the hospitals, first of all, it was our widows and our deaconesses and even our virgins who tended the sick. Then it was the nuns. 
After the Reformation, the Lutheran deaconesses trained as nurses. Some of them attracted the attention of a woman by the name of Florence Nightingale. Ever heard that name? Kind of the mother of modern nursing and an absolutely fierce Christian. Or the Red Cross, founded by a Swedish Christian, brought to America by another Christian. Ever heard of Clara Barton? She was one of us. You know why their symbols are Red Cross? That's our legacy. That's our legacy. A Jesus who was constantly healing the sick, disciples who were trained to serve the sick, a legacy of Jesus followers who flat out lived it out, and we stand on their shoulders and we breathe the same air. We don't run, we don't panic, we don't cower, we stand, we honor him, and we serve each other. That's what a Jesus follower is. Remember our verse? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. So, let's get down to where the rubber hits the road. What are we going to do here at Capital City? You can see some of it this morning, right? What we're trying to do. Our elders got together and after talking to experts and pondering hard, at least for the time being, as long as they feel it's responsible. We plan to continue with live worship. We'll reevaluate every week when we determine it's not wise anymore. We'll worship via our live stream. That's where you watch us from home on your computers. And if you want to have the latest information about how to do that, Tater's going to keep our website updated with exactly what our plan is each week. Now, it's going to sound belligerent. I don't mean it to be. We don't close our doors easily. We don't close our doors because a man asks us to. Because God owns this place, not any man. And whenever what man wants clashes with what God wants, in this place, God's going to win. But when we determine that the best way to honor God and love his people is to switch over to live stream only, we'll make the switch. It's hard for us because you know the tradition of this church. We don't close our doors. I mean, even when the weather's at its worst, we say, use your judgment. If you don't think you ought to come, don't, but we're going to be here. But if it's what it takes to love God and protect and serve his people, we'll start doing it online. And we'll try to do whatever we can to make it easier for you to connect with us that way. Guys, worship is just a part of who we are and what we do as Jesus followers. And as long as we do meet here on Sundays, and we have no idea how long that's going to be, but as long as we do meet here on Sundays, we urge you, please use your own judgment. You need to take personal responsibility for whether you join us here or online. If you're part of our family, we want you to do one or the other. This coronavirus is not an excuse to blow off worship. Now, we're not going to have guys taking your temperature at the door. We thought about it, that'd be kind of funny. But if you're sick, especially if you're running a fever or drying a dry cough, it's a dry cough. If you're sick, stay home, please. And we're very serious about this. If you're part of one of the high risk demographics, you may want to stay home too. You can join us online. We're talking about people with bad health, compromised immune systems, lung issues. 
even those 60 plus, for pity's sakes. Andy Stanley down in North Point says, we give you permission to miss church. You don't need our permission. We're going to give it anyway. We don't want to put those who are most at risk at risk. And if you do come here, we're going to do our very best to provide safe spaces for worship. Our teams have worked hard to sanitize this place, and they will continue to do so. And I think as you saw when you came in, we've got this hand sanitizer everywhere. There are tissues scattered throughout the worship spaces. So if you have to cough, cover your mouth, all right? Plenty of soap in our bathrooms. We've even got toilet paper in our stalls. That is so cool. When you've got to bring your own, we'll let you know. We're just asking you don't steal. By the way, <laughs> a couple of memes that I thought were pretty good. You ready? Not to brag, but I used hand soap before we're stranding. Or this one. This one's better. Some people aren't shaking hands because of the coronavirus. I'm not shaking hands because everyone's out of toilet paper. <laughs> we even thought about putting some Lysol spray through our fog machine, right? And I figured if we did that, we'd finally get a lot of people sitting up front, right? At least you'd send your kids. Another thing, how we greet each other. Wasn't it awkward this morning? It really was, wasn't it? And we're used to putting out our hand, and some people are doing it still, and we're used to giving a hug. That's so cool. You guys taught me how to hug. And now this morning, I kept my hands in my pockets. That's just weird. I don't care to shake anybody's hands, but I don't want to go from person to person. It'll make you feel awkward. How many of you guys look at the Babylon Bee? That's a, that's a great website, by the way. It's one of my favorites. You ready? <clears throat> Babylon Bee Guide to Physical Contact During the Coronavirus. You may not be able to see it well, but if you look in that left-hand corner, instead of sharing drinks, douse them with Perel or just throw the water at them. You know, I think that'll work. Instead of jujitsu, use gun-fu. That was kind of funny. Instead of shaking hands, bring a flamethrower. Instead of the Heimlich Maneuver, fire a beanbag into the abdomen. It'll work. <laughs> instead of physical affection, repent. I think we need to do that one anyway <laughs> with a lot of folks. Anyway... Like I said, you guys are the ones who taught me that hugging can be pretty cool. We're trying to take care of each other, guys, so we're going to kind of put most of the hugs and the handshakes on hold. In fact, here's the way we used to do it. I used to say this a lot, right? If you're really, really glad someone is here, give them a hug. If you're kind of glad someone's here, give them a handshake. If you really don't give a rip, just nod at them. That's the way we used to teach it. I'm going to change it up. If you're really glad someone is here, if you want to, give them a fist bump. Just keep it low and just aim at the fist. Give them an elbow. Trip their feet. You know, some people are tapping feet, right? If you're kind of glad they're here, fake a fist bump. You know, they'll go for it. Miss, that kind of stuff. And if you really don't give a rip, still give them a nod. Or if you want, just use the Spock. All right, just, you guys, all right? As you know, for the time being, we're canceling our Sunday school classes. We're canceling our kids' classes. We're going to try to keep our pre-K going for a time. Little guys get pretty squirrely in here, and their parents do too. Canceling our Wednesday programs, telling our life groups to use their judgment. We'll start it all up again when it's wise. But we're going to try to do more than those kind of things. Guys, we're Jesus followers, and our mission is to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength, and to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. So we're going to try to take care of our at-risk people. So here it is. If you are part of an at-risk demographic, 
and you shouldn't be getting out or you're really nervous about getting out and you need to go to the store, you need to get some meds, something like that, give us a call. And we're going to set up a team and they will go help you. They'll get the stuff for you and they'll bring it to your home. Now, if you don't pay for it, we'll probably take it away and let you go hungry, okay? But still, we'll do the running around for you. And Vern, one of our pastors, is going to oversee a team that's going to get it done. By the way, if any of you guys and ladies are willing to be part of that team to help us serve people who are shut in, who are going to need some of that kind of help, please let Vern know. If you want, just fill out on that card that's in front of you. Just tell them that you're willing to be part of that team, part of that response team. Give us your name and your contact information. I have no clue how many requests that we're going to get, but I'd like us to have a team of volunteers that will be ready. And here's another thing we're going to try to do. Some of our at-risk people in this church family, not all of them, but some of you guys are isolated. And some of you might want to have someone give you a call periodically to check up on you to see if there's anything you need. If that's something that you need, write it on that Connect card, call the church, contact Vern, and we'll set you up. Now, those are some things that we're going to do as a church family. What about you? What are you going to do? We have some big shoes to fill. We Jesus followers have stepped up in times of crisis. What can you do? Number one is this. Don't stoke panic. Remember our verse? Live it out. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. What a great start, isn't it? Let's be purveyors of peace, not panic. Number two, don't hoard you got to take care of yourself. you got to take care of your family, but not at the cost of others being able to take care of themselves and their families. We're in this thing together. That's not loving each other the way that Jesus loves us. So if you have a garage full of toilet paper, share, please. By the way, I love this meme. I love this one. It's a bunch of skulls. White skull, black skull, Asian skull, gay skull, straight skull. The skull of the person who buys all the toilet paper. Don't be that guy. Number three. <laughs> Wash your hands. Start washing your hands more and that's just, that's just protect each other, guys. For some of you guys, it's not going to matter much. You're young, you're healthy, you're going to be fine. Chances are you got grandparents. You got friends with compromised systems. Washing your hands, how you contact each other can be an, an act of love. It's how we take care of each other. Number four, keep your eyes open. Who can you help? Who needs a phone call? Who needs some groceries? Who needs help with babysitting because their kids are going to be out of school and they've got a job? Maybe even... Who needs a few bucks? Because it's getting tight. I want to close by reading a little piece written by C.S. Lewis that was sent to me recently. He wrote it about the atomic bomb. I took atomic bomb out of it and just inserted the word virus. Same principle. You ready? He says, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the coronavirus. How are we to live in a pandemic? I'm tempted to reply, well... 
as you would have lived in the 16th century when a plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would had you lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed as you're already living in an age of cancer, syphilis, paralysis. He mentions air raids, railway accidents, motor accidents because he wrote quite a few years ago. In other words, don't begin, let's, don't let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were sentenced to death before this virus ever broke out. Quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors. We've got anesthetics. We still have that. It's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by a virus, let that virus when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Let it find us praying and working and teaching and reading and listening to music and bathing the children and playing in tennis and chatting with our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about pandemics. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they needn't dominate our minds. What he's trying to tell us is this, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done, which is a boatload. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you give us your wisdom, your heart, your compassion, grace. First of all, I just pray that you'll remind us of how good you are and the hope that you've given to us and the peace that you've given to us. And we want to honor you. We want to stand tall for you. We want to serve you and those that you love. So show us the way. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. We're going to do things just a little differently this morning. Guys, we're going to have a time of the Lord's Supper in just a second. We always do that here at Capital City. We still have worship stations, but we've changed it up. When you come to the worship stations, you're going to see two trays. One tray has what's called a double cup. You pull out a cup. bottom one's got a little cracker in it. The top one's got juice in it. So you don't have to dip into the tray together to get your wafers. On the other side, you're going to find a tray, and it's just got prepackaged Lord's Supper. You pull one of those packages. We bought a boatload of them, all right? We're going to have them available. You can pull that off. You peel the top off, and you'll have the wafer. You peel the second top off, and you have your juice. By the way, the wafers taste awesome, and the juice tastes worse, but it still works. It isn't about how it tastes. It still represents the same thing to us. Every single week, we are reminded we're here because he died for us. 
Whatever happens, he died for us. God loves us that much. He's given us a hope and a peace. That's what this Lord's Supper is all about, to, to bask in his grace, to remind ourselves who we are and what we stand for. You're also going to see a black offering box. You're going to see a white generous bucket. You know, that white generous bucket might come in for quite a bit of use here in the next few weeks. I don't know how people are going to be impacted economically on this, but we want to be ready to respond. That's part of our job as a church family. And that black offering box, as you know, you know, not many folks are here, and I hope that those guys are following this live stream. Think about this. We still have work to do. We still have missions to support. We still have a these things to run and so your continued support will help us and beyond that it's an act of worship to our God if this is your church home we just ask you to serve him in that fashion let's pray together Father we just want to sense your presence this is a time when we come together just to think that you are here and your grace is so extraordinary what you have done for us is so extraordinary Help us to honor you from the bottom of our hearts. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.